0: The heart of
1: Wellington, Kansas, Powder and String Outfitters is your down-home, one-stop shop for all things shooting sports and outdoors. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners back to the Powder and String Outfitters Podcast i have with me today uh tom clum i am super excited to have you on here he's with rocky mountain specialty gear and i uh i i've i've read a little bit about it you and heard a lot about you uh, through mutual friend dylan um, but i uh, greatly appreciate you being on here and i'm ready to talk about anything and everything archery and uh, kind of see where it goes
0: my pleasure right. Kim. I can yeah, talk. You, I can talk archery.
1: <laughs> love it. I'm I'm excited. I you, I I I know you have a lot to share, and you've got a lot of knowledge, and and you've helped a lot of uh, talented people. And so, if maybe you want to start off a little bit, just maybe tell our listeners out there a little bit about yourself, and you know how you got to where you are, and kind of what you do.
0: You got it. Uh, I'm an old guy, and uh, kind of got my interest in bow hunting from old American sportsman shows. Uh, You younger folks wouldn't remember, it was Kurt Gowdy's American Sportsman, and they'd have Fred Bear Bear, uh, videos on Sundays. And then uh, Fred Bear was the first guy filming hunts with a bow and arrow. And, you know, he's going all over the world. And he actually ended up in theaters with movies like that, too. And it kind of, that's where my, where the seed was planted for my desire to be a bow hunter. Uh, I had a bow as a kid. You know, I grew up in an area where uh, behind the house was just uh, apple orchards, horse pastures. And, you know, we wandered around back there and shot at everything that crawled, flew, or ran, you know, with BB guns or bows and arrows or whatever. But actually, uh, when I got out of school went and bought my first bow, and so I've been a bow hunter since 1976, I really haven't hunted uh, with a rifle or anything but uh, coyotes a couple times. I own an archery shop. It's an all-inclusive archery shop. It's, uh, you know, we used to be tailored strictly to tr- traditional archery. Um, but it's an all-inclusive. We've got pretty much every major brand in the compound realm. I'm pretty darn sure we've got the biggest selection of recurves and longbows in any one place in the world. We probably normally have give or take five or 600 recurves and longbows in that place at any one time. That's amazing. So, it's a, you know, we've got an archery range, retail operation. We sell, uh, you know, high-end or different uh, types of hunting gear, whether it be, you know, boots. We've got a pretty good knife shop, uh, high-end packs, optics, you know, that kind of stuff, hunting-related articles, and then everything to do with archery in our store. Um, also, uh, I've got a high education in archery coaching. I'm a low for. four. <laughs> Uh, certified instructor, um, spent a week at the Lemming Training Center five years ago, uh, I had 50 hours of classroom there, uh, extensive testing and level four certification. so I've got a big background in that kind of stuff too. Um, been a certified archery coach for about the last 20 years and that's been a big focus on my life now and probably more than anything that I do is, than anything else is coach archery. So pretty pretty heavily involved in the outdoor world. It's been the lifestyle of my family forever. So pretty much the whole clan, uh, down to my daughters-in-laws and son-in-laws, are ball hunters now. So it's
1: like it's a prerequisite if you're, you're going to be married well, in the family, you have to.
0: It wasn't a prerequisite, but they pretty got dialed in, you know, pretty well as soon as they got to the family.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. I can kind of relate. That's I'm I'm kind of in that situation. My older daughters are. Um, just had both of them just had, uh, babies. So I became a grandpa times
0: too. And uh, nice.
1: it's, it's pretty cool, um, to have that, that experience and, you know, just to, to see that, but so <clears throat> with regards to your, your, uh, coaching and stuff like that, how many, how many people do you think you coach a year and help out a year with, with that?
0: Hmm. Probably between clinics and people who come in the shop, uh certainly if you talked about every day in the shop and giving tips in that kind of thing it would go into the hundreds almost every week i have somebody fly in to see me to get archery instruction uh, mostly on the trad side i do a lot of teaching on the compound side too but uh, in traditional archery um, found myself in a heck of a niche because they're just you just don't find people with high certification levels or high levels of education doing any coaching and I've kind of been in a catbird seat where I could pull in, um, you know, my experience in, as a bow hunter and a bow shooter for so dang long, and pull in the experience of owning an archery store, pull in the experience of spending all that time feeling the Olympic training center, my association with other experts like Joel Turner when it comes to mental management, target panic issues. Uh, movement experts. I got a buddy named Matt Bernier, Bernier that's an actual literal movement expert that I pull in a lot of expertise from to, to learn how to teach movement. Uh, I'm really a pretty lucky guy. And then I get to practice the art of coaching every single day. And I've done so for about the last 20 years. So uh, kind of in a catbird seat, kind of in a unique position. I'm trying to develop a lot of other people as archery coaches because uh, it's really needed out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're saying you've <clears throat> you've been coaching for twenty years, so yeah. that's that says a ton about your level of expertise. And for any of our listeners that aren't out there, I would urge you to go and and uh, you know look look Tom up. It's it's pretty it's it's lengthy um, with regards to your experience. Um, is there any one thing within the coaching that you really that you really enjoy and you like. What's what is it? I mean, if you've been doing it for twenty years, there's there's something yep. that you get from it.
0: There is. I'd say if you if you were to look at the one thing is the friendships and the relationships that it's given me, the enhancement to my life because of the people I've met and the friendships I've made throughout this this journey I've had. And uh, you know, when you spend a day or two or three with somebody doing something that we both have an interest in doing something we like, you get to know folks pretty good. So I've been uh, tremendously blessed by the friendships it's given me in my life and friendships from all over the country now. And in fact, I just got back from Australia and New Zealand last week. Uh, It was a friendship that I made from a a guy from Melbourne through archery coaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's the biggest blessing to what I do.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, I can relate to that because, you know, we, you know, we started doing, you know, the, 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 the shop, the Pattern Star, Pattern String Shop. And from that, you know, we've already built several relationships. Um, and some of them have been already on the podcast and we've already been hunting and, you know, creating memories with that. And, you know, that's, that's just as much the, I, for me personally, I, I get, I think I get more out of that than I do the business side of it, if you
0: will. Absolutely,
1: uh, It's definitely very rewarding to, you know, and, and, and you kind of hit on a, on a note there with regards to there's a commonality and generally with that commonality, I've found that a lot of us, we have a lot of shared interests, if you will. So it's not, it's not, it's, it's pretty easy, um, relationship, I guess, to
0: grow on. It is every, every one of my peers, everybody I hang out with, everybody I go hunting with, everybody that works in my store, everybody I call a friend pretty much nowadays is someone that walked in my door as a customer one, one day. So, uh, as you know, been in business a long time, it's probably the same for you. And, uh, that's what it's about for me. I'm, I'm kind of a relationship person. i your life is greatly enriched by the people around you.
1: Absolutely. 100% agree with that. Yeah. It's all about the relationships and, and personalities. Matter of fact, it's kind of funny you should say that because, and I've already talked a little bit about my kids but I'm going to do it a little bit more, but <clears throat> I told my kids whenever that I'm, I'm, I went to school at Kansas state university, Manhattan, and, uh, just absolutely bleed purple. Um, yeah. The cool part about that town is, is that it's one of the, it's called the little apple. Um, but it's also a lot, a lot of the people who have been there call it man, man happiness, but it's year in year out. It's always voted at the top of the college life experience for kids and, you know, happiest place and cool. And it's just, when I went there, I, I, I took the extended, uh, plan, I guess. I was there for oh, seven years and, uh, I still don't have my degree, but I'm like 17 hours short of having like three degrees. Wow. So I'm <clears throat> throwing a lot out there. But, um, what I gained is more than from the knowledge that I had was, relationships and learning how to have an experience. And from that, I still have lifelong friendships that I hold cherish and hold dear from that place. And so I told my kids, whenever they were looking at college, I said, you know, you can go anywhere you want to go, but, um, if you want me to visit you and you want some, some help and some funds from me, it's going to be Kansas state. (laughs) But I say that to be funny, that wasn't true. But, but I told them, I want them to go someplace where they have the ability to have that experience where their their the, the college experience is, is part of the community whereas if you go to a large you know university that's in the middle of a the city then it's just you're just part of the part of the chaos if you will yeah and so from that that allowed me to learn a lot about relationships and how to have relationships and communication and all that kind of stuff and i just feel like that has helped me out immensely in life and it's it it, it all evolved back to relationships so it's very, it interesting to, very interesting to hear you talk about that and, and, and to, to, to hear somebody with you know your success and that you've been doing it as long as you have. And, and, uh, to hear you say that it's, it's, it's very, uh, warm and refreshing to hear that. Definitely. You, you mentioned also saying, you talked about hunting, give, give us a little bit of insight with regards to what that looks like for for yourself.
0: Oh boy, I guess for myself and probably for my boys and, and it's probably what you'd probably term it as part of our lifestyle. So archery and archery hunting, you know, and it, as far as the important things of life, you know, if we were to go down the list, faith, family a way to make a living and lots of important things. It's way down the list. But that being said, it's literally part of our lifestyle and has been my whole life. Um, my wife started shooting a bow since she met me, been married for 42 years. We've been on a heck of a lot of adventures together. Uh, she knows how important this is to our lives. So she's never resented the long trips sometimes that I've taken with, with friends for bow hunting trips. Um, but I guess it's, it's kind of an encompassing thing. If you're a, a serious hunter, you know that the years kind of divided into those dates where seasons mm-hmm. opened, or you know this archery shoot's going on, and it's literally been part of what we call a lifestyle. Yeah, and my is there, is kids there a were raised in that.
1: Exactly, I I can totally relate to that. Is there a particular species or or a hunt that you comes to the top, or you prefer? Or-
0: yeah, you know, being out west here, being a Colorado boy, um, I guess elk hunting has always been my highest passion. Uh, I'm getting to the age now where it's, you know, it's a heck of a lot more difficult. Uh, you know, my goal is to to be able to hunt well into my late 70s. That's my goal, is to keep my body in, in good enough shape to be a somewhat effective elk hunter well into my 70s. So I'm looking for 10 more years, you know, I'm kind of playing the back nine now pretty young minded. Uh, sometimes my adolescent, uh, sense of humor gives me away and my lack of sincerity, my, my lack of like seriousness, but I can turn serious about a heartbeat if, if need be. But, um, you know, I'm kind of one of those guys that feels young inside still walk by the mirrors, like, dang it. And I'll feel like that old guy I'm looking at in the mirror. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I think it's this lifestyle, this healthy lifestyle has, you know, kept me that way. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the,
1: the, 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 you know, for out, when you're hunting out west, it's, it's a, you know, for anybody that hasn't done it, it's a, it's a, it's a workout. It's a, you have to be, you know, in shape. You're not just going to be able to just, you know, just cruise in and, and, uh, not have any cardio or anything like that and be able to, I mean, you could, but it's definitely going to be a heck of a challenge. And,
0: well, I always said, you know, elk hunting done right or done effectively anyway is going to involve a tremendous amount of exertion. It's going to involve a heck of a lot of sweating and hot and uncomfortable. It's going to involve a lot of shivering. It's going to involve a lot of boredom and downtime, quiet time. And it's going to involve a lot of discomfort because you're sleeping on the ground if you're on a backpack hunt and all the stuff that goes with that. And all that mixed in with some of the most thrilling things that could ever happen to a human being, (laughs) you know.
1: Yeah, and... And you're also, you, you talk, talk on the highs and lows and it's just, it's to hear that, that bugle is just, it's just something else.
0: You get one of those up close and the hair on the back of your neck literally raises, you know, it's usually that first experience like that, that you say, yeah, this is what I'm going to do in my life. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's, it's pretty crazy. And and obviously, you, as you touched on when we first started, yours is all with archery. So it's not like with, you know, you're out there with a rifle where, you know, if you see something out there, you know, several hundred yards or whatever that, you know, you could, you know, seal the deal. This is up close and personal.
0: Yeah. When I was in college, I had a buddy that moved into a, onto a ranch in Rifle, Colorado, and I'd go deer hunting up there with him. and. I get a mule deer buck every year, about four years of college. And, you know, I found out if you can see them first, you could pretty much get them. But always had a dream to be a bow hunter, and so did my buddy. And, you know, that first year we were going to be elk hunters, and he came from a backpacking family. Probably spent 20 days out, you know, living in the wilderness out of our backpacks. Did not see an elk. (laughs) I can't tell you how long the walks we uh, took with our bows but didn't know anything about hunting. Um, you know, but the experience of it all and what we saw and what we experienced together, I guess, made it worth it to us anyway. So that year, you know, they didn't have the internet back then. So we, you know, we'd go get books and go to the library wherever we had to go to get information and kind of learn the habits of the elk and learn about winter and summer areas and daily feeding bedding patterns and, You know, where the habitat that they kind of like and where in the habitat, where in the landscape they're going to be and, you know, kind of learn where to look. And then uh, you had pretty good legs back then. You know, we're living in a backpack. So uh, that next year, we scared a bunch of them. (laughs) You know, we were were rattling elk all over that country. You know, I didn't have a really idea how to be effective hunting them, you know. But I think it took about three years that kind of stuff I mean, until we got our first one, and it was, you know, lifting each other up and hugging each other, and it was such oh, a yeah, big deal that we got one with a, yeah, with memory. a bow arrow, yeah, and then just, uh, we got pretty regular after after that. You know, you just there's a certain big inventory of mistakes a fellow has to make as a bow hunter and you got to kind of check them off the boxes, you know, and, and not make those mistakes again. And you got to push things and kind of intentionally make mistakes and see what you can get away with, what you can't get away with. And, you know, there's just a, there's such a big learning curve. It's not it, back in those days, it wasn't a formula. It was all just, you learned it being out there. There's nothing to read about it. There wasn't a lot of information. I didn't read a lot of magazines and magazine articles I did read were you know, pretty short and they didn't give you a lot of information. So there wasn't Google Earth, (laughs) you know, we had flat maps and it's just, uh, you know, I I guess I wouldn't have had it any other way uh, now. The learning curve can be shortened so much because the internet and all the information that's out there now, but uh, it was, it was pretty cool. There's, there was such a mystery to everything. You know, you didn't see it on TV every day. You didn't have a guy, you know, laying it out for you, you know, on his, hunting channel it was everything was such a mystery and so anyway it's turned into a lifelong passion like i said i you know i hope to hope to do it until about the time they carry me out
1: yeah so it's it's very interesting to hear you talk about that those early years you're 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 learning to become a woodsman you're learning to be to not only just learn about elk and hunting elk and how to ultimately harvest one but you're learning all the different things about the woods and all the different things that go into that.
0: You know, I had the advantage of the experience my my friend had, my best buddy had through his family because he used to backpack to fish. But yeah, that whole learning curve about taking care of yourself and keeping yourself out of danger as far as hyperthermia or the weather goes and what you need to have with you. you know uh, a lot of my old stories can can really make you laugh uh, you know the younger guys will come in and kind of be embarrassed to ask a question and they're like oh dude if you knew some of the stuff i did you wouldn't be embarrassed at all you know if you don't know what to ask just just let me take a guess at what you need to know and we'll go from there you know that type of thing but the same thing with shooting um more than 20 years ago if you saw me shot you'd say what the heck's that guy doing as an instructor i think it made me a better instructor because i had the target panic uh you know they're we all taught ourselves pretty much. And, and so, you know, the people I see shooting today, there was, there's nobody worse than what I was at one time, you know, I'm pretty salty shooter now, but uh, you know, I didn't get to be that until I had the information to be able to build a good shot under me. And I didn't get to be a good hunter until I made a giant number of mistakes. And so, you know, there's really nothing anybody can ask me that they should be ashamed of asking me or, worried about asking me is I'll, I'll go ahead and share some my knucklehead stories with you and you'll feel better about it all
1: yeah well <laughs> and i mean that's the ultimate that's the ultimate way we as you know even as a human race we, we progress you can either learn from the mistakes of yourself or the mistakes of others one or the other that's you know that's trial and error and that's there's
0: so yeah, people that are that. pretty highly accomplished sometimes people you know, they had success because things came easier than them don't get into the sport because they kind of don't want to suck. But you really, everybody has to be willing to be poor at something at the start because we all suck at the beginning, you know. So it's, it's fighting through that and, you know, enjoying the process of getting, you know, enjoy the, the journey kind of stuff. But it's really true. If you don't enjoy the process of the practice and the, of building a new skill set, you'll never get there. It's, it's, uh, but if you, if you enjoy learning new things and learning new skill sets, you're going to get pretty good one of these days, you know, if you got the, the good instruction and, and get put on the right paths. And, and you know, so there's some of those unicorns that figured out on their own, but that's pretty rare, pretty rare business. We all struggle at first.
1: Do you feel like maybe because information and technology is so readily at our fingertips today that that might um, hinder or, or keep some of the new shooters or whatever from actually getting into it because they just, they you know, genuinely or <clears throat> generally speaking, you're gonna see either the best or the worst videos. You know, the, 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 yeah. the middle of the road people, you're not gonna see it, but the ones that are the bloopers, you're going to see those because they're entertaining at somebody else's expense, but then you've got the ones that are just amazing shots, and and those are going to be there. But then people see that and they're like, "I just can't get into that." I'm
0: I I really things. do because it sets up false expectations. You know, if particularly with a you know with a recurve or longbow, a traditional bow, <clears throat> I kind of want people to have realistic expectations. You know, like through this instruction we're gonna give you the knowledge to become a good archer. You can't come and see me, and I don't care if you spend a week with me, you can't walk out in a week, let alone a day, let alone an an hour or a four hour lesson, and you're good now. It's not that kind of skill set. it takes time to develop. And so, you know, part of what I do is I ask, you know, before they leave is like, I wanna know if you know, if you feel like you have the knowledge to mentally and physically manage your shot, you know how to produce a, a great shot. And most often by the time they walked out the door have produ- produced a certain number of technically sound and accurate shots. But you know, at the first, it might be one out of 10. <laughs> you know, we're struggling. Okay, let's improve this little aspect of it. All right, let's try this again. Oh, got that right. Now let's think about this. Now let's add, let's add something. And, you know, we go through this process. It's kind of a stair step process. And my goal is for them to walk out the door and know specifically what to work on, you know, and expect that not every shot's going to go like that. And in, in fact, maybe a small percentage of your shots are going to go like that until you get a feel for some things because your body's acclimating to this all new information. It's engaging muscles it's never engaged before. So a lot of those movements and positions aren't quite accurate yet or repeatable yet. But as they do it, they'll notice that the percentage of those good shots is growing. So maybe, you know, they shoot one out of five. Well, heck that's 20%. No, now we're looking to get one or two, one and two out of five are really well shot. Heck, we get two out of five, that's almost half of your shots. It's 40% of your shots going well. You know, when we get two and three out of five, we're at half of our shots are a little better than half of our shots are going, and we look for a progression like that. You know, when you have realistic expectations and know this is what pretty diced down skills, it's a pretty cool skill set to have. You know, when you have those real expectations and you see the progress going, that makes it a heck of a lot of fun. When you know what to work on, you know what skills you're after. That's why, in general, archery instruction is probably, if you were going to pay somebody for a lesson, I'm quite certain that's the best money you'll ever spend in archery. It's way better money than buying the next new bow. Um and so you know and i don't say that to pitch an archery lesson for myself but i say it to you need a mentor you know that you need to shorten the learning curve well as a hunter you know uh paul and i my best buddy he's passed now unfortunately but we learned it all together I mean, at least he had somebody to go through all the mistakes with and get all the thrills with and everything like that it's uh but if you've got a mentor that learning curve that can be shortened uh, you know, that's obviously a lot nicer. Um,
1: somebody to bounce but, it off of.
0: Yeah, somebody to bounce it off of. Heck, Dylan calls me every so often, and I tremendously enjoy shortening his learning curve and shortening the struggle down. And ah, try this, Dylan, you know. Uh, we do that all the time, and that gives me great pleasure. And it gives me a relationship with Dylan that I wouldn't have otherwise. Full with him. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I
1: am looking forward to it. Um, because he's, uh, he, so when I first met him, um, he was still shooting, you were, st- you were shooting, um, compounds at that point, right? Still. Yeah. But now he's, I, I think you're completely traditional, right? Yeah. And I'm just the opposite. I've never shot traditional, but I'm excited to try this, you know, this, this new thing. And, and that's one th- the question that I, I also have, <clears throat> do you see. How much similarity, how much, is there anything that draws from compound to traditional? How much of it? I mean, it's still, it's, I
0: mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Boy, the old crusty guys are old guys that never shot a compound. Really hate when I say this, but a bow is a bow. Um, When I went to the Olympic Training Center, it was 50 hours of classroom there. Most of it right in front of the Olympic coach. We had about four modules on shooting compounds, and they they showed us the differences. There were very few differences. Basically, what they said was, you know, how you draw the bow has to be different because all that weight's up front. So we need to open our chest to the target more, and we got to coil as we draw. And there's some, I, we don't need to go on an archery lesson, but how you draw the bow is different. How you anchor is different because instead of holding the string in three fingers, and that, they, that, that hook being placed against your, that hook with your hand being placed against your face, we're using a release aid. So the angle of your hand is different and the placement is different. So how we anchor is different. And then with a compound bow, we have a sight pin. And with a recurve, we have the arrow sticking out there that can be a single sight pin, basically. Or we have something we call instinctive aiming. All right, so, but other than that, the body positions, And the movements and even the movement that we make to activate the shot or activate the release is all the same. So, a lot of guys that come from a compound and try a recurve, they think of this recurve as this heavy bow. And it's heavy at the back end, obviously, instead of heavy at the front end. That you get to an anchor or get to the touch and you're burning a hole in target and you pull it back and touch and let it go. Instead of... Building a holding position, you know, drawing that bow, coming into anchor, building your alignment, getting a platform to shoot from like a compound guy does, and then aiming the bow. And then after aim occurs, it doesn't mean shoot, then make a movement that activates the release. We're going to do the same thing with a recurve bow. The guys that come and treat the recurve like their compound, basically those three jobs, build a holding position, put a game on Put an aim on the target, and then make a movement that activates the release. Are going to do really good, really quick, and they do. Um, the biggest problem, problem for me and most everybody, is they get a bow, a recurve bow, that's way too heavy. You know, if you have a fifty-pound compound with an eighty percent let-off, you know, at holding position, you're holding ten pounds. You have ten pounds of compressive load. If you're shooting a 50-pound recurve at full drive, draw, your draw links is you know it's 50 at 28 and your draw links 28. You're holding back 50 pounds of compressive load. And that's a big difference. We can't sit all all day up there and holding. We need to get up there and we need to be comfortable for a second or three. We need to be at a relaxed state of mind for one or two or maybe three seconds. But if you're overbowed, you can't do that. That that your subconscious scream at you to get rid of that arrow. So the biggest mistake people get do when they get to a recurve is getting too much bow weight. Well, I can shoot a 70-pound compound. Let me get get a 50-pound recurve. Oof, big mistake. You know, we need to start get a bow you can dominate, literally dominate it first. It might be 25 or 35 pounds. Something that you can come in and hold as long as you want to. You know, and then get a bow you can move slowly with because we're going to change a couple angles, right? If you move slowly, you can evaluate what you're doing. If you can evaluate, you can perfect it. So your first bow should be very light, something you can dominate, where you can really move slowly through this thing and really build a good shot off of. And then we progress up the weights back up into a hunting weight.
1: So, from a, so if you're, you're, what you're saying is you're basically learning the fundamentals. Correct. On that, on that lesser pound bow, but then. Yes. From that, you can, you can basically take those and, and and carry them on to the heavier bow. bow
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly. We don't get the benefit with of a let off with the recurve. So, you know, a compound, we're hitting peak wake real early in the draw cycle and then boom, it bounces down to 20% of your draw weight. Mm-hmm as you're drawing a recurve, it's getting heavier, it's getting, it's gaining two or three pounds per inch as you're going back. Mm -hmm. And then all that loads at the back end. Right. So things, you know, learning things like how to build skeletal alignment, we want to align your skeletal structure up, you know, basically sideways to the target. So we want our skeletal structure in a straight line so that it reduces muscular tension. We want that compressive load distributed across our skeletal structure. So the subject of alignment becomes absolutely critical. Heck, when you're under only 20% of the weight of the bow, our elbow can be kind of hanging outside the string a little bit. Our chest can be open to the target a little bit, and we can be really stable there. Well, if we don't get good alignment with the recurve, especially a hunting weight, it's gonna that thing's squishing us together the whole time, and we're fighting it. We're fighting it with all this muscular tension. Not a fun place to be. You know, we're ruining the fun. But as you shoot the bow, you're going to be using muscles you don't use use for walking around everyday life. You know, even these bodybuilders that come in, they have to start with a light bow. Um, your those muscles, we're going to get you to use your back muscles, the big muscles in your back. You know, the whole subject of back tension. Well, those that's a big muscle group. And they get strong really fast. So you're going to progress up through the weights weights fairly quickly. You know, um, you know, so. It's just a matter, just like when you started lifting weights, of acclimating to the weight, acclimating to the load that the bow presents you. And just building it up over a little bit of time. And and then that's how you get good at this sport. Don't go buy a hunting weight bow right, to, right at the beginning. Buy a bow you can absolutely dominate and get some instruction. Or get a nine-line course like I have out there. Or, you know, there's lots of free stuff out on the internet, which is you know, YouTube is a minefield of good and bad information, but you don't have to pay somebody like me to get it. I put a lot of free content out there myself too to help yeah, try to please, help people new you in the hit sport the
1: on the head with the minefield of, for YouTube, and that's one of the things I think not not just with, not just in in archery, but with just with anything out there, you kind of got anything. Yeah, yes. two or three or four or five different videos and go, okay, what's the commonality? And this one here, we can throw it out because it's clearly this yeah, you know, he's talking about or whatever, but yeah. I can, I can see where that would be the exact same thing. I haven't gone on and looked for anything in, in traditional, but you know, when you get my, this traditional bow coming, I definitely see that. Is this, I'm assuming that this shooting a, a traditional bow is much like any other, you know, shooting with a rifle or shooting with a handgun or shooting with a, with a compound bow. It's going to be a lot of, you're trying to replicate.
0: To Absolutely. The
1: exact same or even a golf, you know, taking golf. Um, you know, replicating the same exact exactly. movements every time. And then once you can replicate that, then from there a coach like you can look at it and go, okay, hold on, here's something that you need to, to work on.
0: Just like a golf swing. It's position by position by position. But in precision shooting sports, whether it be a firearm or a compound bow or a recurve bow or a long bow, this precision shooting sports differs than other athletics. When you're building a golf swing, you're building very conscious movements to learn in a step-by-step process all the way to the top of your backswing, right? But then you have a natural flow. We have a subconscious movement through the ball. If you're taught at a high level to swing a baseball bat correctly, it's a step-by-step thing in body positions, like positions to movements, to positions, to movements, you learn a step-by-step and then you let it flow. Uh, if you're shooting a free throw, man, your coach can get you where your elbows are at, where the hands are on the ball, you know, so it's step-by-step, a real good position, and then you bend your knees and you lift, and it ends in a flow, right? Anything in athletics ends in a flow, even music. Music is learned step-by-step, each finger to each key on a piano, right hand, then the left hand, then it's imprinted as a motor program, and then it ends in a flow. A precision shooting sport can be like that right up to the holding position, but it ends in a conscious movement. If you, And you, I know you're a good farms shooter because you're talking about having a gunshot and you're, you're, you've shot the compounds. So you know the key to shooting well is after you put that aim on the target to have a very conscious, slow movement that makes the gun go off as a surprise or makes the compound go off as a surprise, or we're going to, present a movement to a follow-through position that makes the bow go off as somewhat of a surprise. The release itself is at the subconscious level. That's different from all other sports. And so sometimes super gifted athletes that learn you know movements and patterns really well, and things come easy to them, it's a struggle for them. That's like the core cause of target panic in archery is they want to end in, in a flow or they wanna punch that trigger, you know. Mm-hmm. it's not like a skeet shot when this target's sitting still. You settle on the aim, look at it, and then you make a movement, an activation movement that makes that thing go off as a surprise. That way you don't brace to the shock of that thing going off and your accuracy is maintained. So the fundamentals of precision shooting sports, whether it be a firearm or a bow, are all the same. And it's different from other athletics. So when we get a natural athlete that very inaccurate within his flow, it's very natural to him, but very inaccurate. We've got to identify things like that with archery, in particular.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, and I've never thought of it that deep. But I've got several friends that have been athletes, you know, at a pro level, and they're they're the type that you know, if they said, well, hey, let's go, let's go play. You know, ping pong or badminton, you're most likely going to get schooled. And um, I don't care. Yeah. You know, they're just they're just they're just a different level. Um. You know, in right. I had a couple a couple of roommates that went on into the NFL, and and it's it just the the athleticism is crazy. And so I don't know that I know none of those individuals that I know that played at that level ever went on into to the hunting or anything like that. So I've never you know, dealt with it at that level, but it, it, it is interesting to hear you say that, that there's so many things that are very similar with that, but yet then there's that distinctive difference with regards to the flow and the finish.
0: Exactly, so the point being is you don't have to be that gifted athlete to shoot a bow really well or fire firearm really well. You don't have to have that, that natural ability to pick up positions moving, because we can train them in a very specific way And and we're, we're basically building a process. We're building a sequence that you can follow through and your body does imprint it. And it does turn natural up right to the end of the shot, which is consciously controlled, different from athletics. So you know, have a lot of natural athletes that struggle more in archery or firearms. You've probably seen it in the firearms world. You know, they want to punch that trigger because it's natural. They want to attach that trigger punch to the aim. You know, they want to blend the aim and the in the shot together. And that athleticism, those automatic functions, do not serve them well. So we mm. can take somebody that wasn't gifted athletic; it can be that actually serves them well in archery or firearms. I'm sure.
1: So. And what I've gathered in the last five minutes is is that Tom's helped me figure out that now I can call my buddies up and say, "Hey,
0: paybacks." <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's worth the price of admission. Exactly.
0: Right? Let's go because, shoot.
1: <laughs> yeah, because these guys, when we were in college, would beat me like a drum. It didn't matter what sport we were doing. Yeah, what we were trying and uh, yeah and i hunted the whole time that i lived with them and everything and they always you know made yeah. not not even they made fun of me they just they just didn't connect it was just different to them and and so yeah, i know. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, i don't want to get off of here what i'm doing i'm gonna make a couple of phone calls and, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna put some challenges on the on the table because never thought of it like that
0: yeah so, it's really
1: true yeah, yeah. So, so another question i have with regards to this is do you see um well, I guess I don't know. How, um, does every shooter, does every archery shooter, traditional archery shooter, I'm speaking in specific, do they all have the same process? So does.
0: They all have a very, very similar process. They don't all have the same process. The process I teach is out of a system called NTS, it's our national training system. Basically, it's the system that the Olympians use that are shooting recurve bows. And basically it's modified to bow hunters. Um, Olympic archers are are shooting a recurve bow. Now granted it's got stabilizer bar at the front and two back bars, a sight pin, and a in a clicker. It looks pretty fancy, but it's a recurve bow. It doesn't hit a back wall. It doesn't have a let off. It's a recurve bow. And so they do things a little different though. They're gonna anchor, you know, their string hand is gonna be under the jawline. They compete at 70 meters, that's 76.7 yards, 77 yards basically, right? So they need a very high launch angle to the arrow. They need a very low anchor point. When that knot comes down, the tip is pointed up. So they need a very high launch angle and it's under their jawline. Now a recurve, you know, a bow hunter, a guy that enjoys the bow or, you know, wants to hunt with a bow, we're gonna have a very high anchor. It's gonna be up on the side of our face. So that side of face anchor for some of us, takes the string outside of her eye, which makes us have to lean over to get our eye over the arrow. So, you know, if you've seen recurve archers with a cant or with a tilt to the bow, we just tilt the head and the bow over together because the arrow's above the pivot point of the bow. We don't have to just take the head or just take the bow. We take the bow and the head together until the arrow comes under the eye in alignment to the bullseye. That's why you see recurve archers with a tilted or canted bow, right? So we have to do things a little different. We have that high anchor, which puts the arrow up in our vision or gets it closer to the line of our vision. So we can aim that bow effectively. And then the biomechanics behind a great shot or repeatability in a shot, or the biomechanics behind protecting your shoulders specifically from repetitive motion injuries, the mechanics in your stance, the mechanics and how you release, how you hook the string, how you grip the bow are all the same as an Olympian. That's what I teach. Um, the system itself for the people who don't know a lot about it, they criticize it for being complex. It can be complex at the elite level. There's a lot of uh, complexity to it. What at the elite level of any sport isn't complex at the elite level, but we can boil it down to very, pronounced and very base basics, the very basics to to perform a really accurate shot. And that's what I do for all new shooters. If that person's gonna go into the target world, yeah, we start adding the nuance. We start adding a little complexity here and there because now we're talking, you know, a target and it has rings that are a little more than a half inch apart and every ring is a point. So every half is as a point. So the level of accuracy they need to do to compete at a high level is, you know, tremendous. We don't have to hit a killer, we have to hit a, a little circle that's about two and a half inches across, right? So- at 76 um, yeah, That's 76 meters. Yeah, those guys are shooting a gold ring that's, know, I'm showing you, it's less than the size of a volleyball, you know, um, and they're hitting that gold pretty much every time at 77 yards, it's nuts. Which,
1: I didn't know it was that far. I mean, and I've watched it. I don't know why I didn't know that. And I'm, I mean, I, like I said, I'm an archer guy. Anytime I've, I mean, if I've seen, we in the shop, we even, we even have it on the, the, we have a big television that we put up in the shop. It's got YouTube. Yeah. And we play stuff on it. And, and it's fairly common that we've got the shooters. I didn't realize that it was 76 meters. So that's, I mean, you're talking in yards. That's so what's,
0: 70 meters 77 yards basically oh,
1: okay okay so it's 70 meters
0: yeah 77 yeah, so. yards basically yeah, right Meters
1: 3.3 3 yards or
0: yeah yeah something 3. like that 3
1: yards is a meter whatever right 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 other. Other. <laughs> yeah <laughs> How yeah do you get exactly there? that's that's crazy because you know from a hunting standpoint especially you know light tail you know you're 30 yards 40 yards is you know they're, they're yeah. guys that you know that's kind of the I don't know, gold standard or whatever is, you know, definitely, definitely 30 yards and in, but, you know, there's those guys that can make 60 or 70 yard shots, you know, and then it becomes an ethical question, but, um, mm-hmm. and 77 yards or 70 meters. That's, uh, that's pretty crazy. I, I don't know yeah. why I thought it was, I don't know what I, I don't even know what I, I didn't even know what a distance, what the distance was, but I never would have thought it was that far.
0: When you consider the right. fact that that's a recurve bow, I mean, exactly. It- that bow does not replicate the drawing for you. So it doesn't replicate the trajectory path for you like a compound does. And so the the how critical their body position, every little position has to be throughout their body and their hook and how they're holding the bow and how they align their skeletal structure. And, and, and has to be that so consistent because those guys are pretty much in the goal most of the time. It's, yeah. it's, it's a pretty cool skill set. And we just want to take that skill set down into what we do as bow hunters. So I, I'm kind of the first guy that really kind of, you know, in the trad world that went and got that education and brought it back to us, the guys that just like to bow hunt, so that we can shoot better. Uh, even in the old days, <clears throat> the most common place that bow hunters got better, they went to target archery. To learn how to shoot archery and they brought it to the bow hunting world and we had about a 34 you know a 30 year gap there where it was all this free-flowing snap shooting style and because of that we'd see waves of people come into traditional archery and waves of people going right back out because they can never learn to shoot well you know, some of those techniques were just made you prone to target panic. It it did not provide you any tools to become accurate past a certain range. And once you got accurate to that certain range, which is usually 20 yards at the outside, then this thing called target panic entered the world because it was all a very athletic, natural movement, which is really fun way to shoot and really cool looking, but it does nothing for... Protecting your shoulders from repetitive motion injury does nothing for precision, and 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 it makes you prone to target panic. So the system that I teach protects you from pre- repetitive motion injury, can create high levels of precision. You know, and we can shoot that bow for our whole life, and so it's it's just a, a different thing. And so if I get a legacy, it's I want to be you know. I'm that guy that's bringing target archery into, down to us guys that just like to bow hunt so we can be accurate. Because we can take that bow with all these same biomechanics level to the ground. We can shoot under a bush or anywhere we want, but we're gonna do it with the same alignment, same skeletal structure, same draw length that we do if we're standing up in a good stance.
1: It's really cool. Do that with a compound?
0: No, of course not. Yeah, it's neat stuff
1: yeah i mean that's it's very intriguing like i said with my very very limited understanding of traditional archery um it's I mean, there's so many my the wheels in my head are just are are going yeah. crazy yeah so, and, and i'm super excited about it and, and one of the things i wanted to touch base on here and and <clears throat> you and i and, and dylan had kind of talked when we were uh when we originally talked about bringing you on here of of actually, uh, putting together a class here, uh, at the shop, um, or right here, you know, at one of the facilities right here by the shop. And I'm even more intrigued by that now and excited to do something like that now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to, to get off of this and tell Dylan, tell me when my bow's going to be here um, <laughs> and let's get this thing going because now I'm just like, man, I just, I, I want to try so many different things with what you've talked about. so. What does it look like, um, if I'm attending one of your, your, your classes, um, like what we
0: kind of talked about? Oh, say, say if you had me come out there, do a clinic, you know what I mean? Um, we do either one day or two days, two days are really neat because it's amazing how a night of sleep, I, I you know, I heard a neuroscience talk about this, how right. during sleep, those skill sets are kind of, your brain's still kind of working on them and they kind of get imprinted a little better. When we go from that first day and we're just getting everything nailed down at the end of the day and you're making some good shots, but you're still struggling quite a bit, how much that's improved on the second day. And in the second day, we can really kind of fine tune that shot again and then start adding different aiming methods, start adding different body positions, you know, just adding more, a little more complexity to the whole thing. So we'll get, say, a dozen guys, you know, that's about... Absolutely the max if I had a helper that I would do. And you know, I'd either bring another coach with me or have Dylan help too when it came to one on one stuff. I
1: don't know about Dylan. We were trying to
0: yeah, I don't know about Dylan higher. either, but you know. Uh, he's a nice guy anyway, you know. <laughs> um and then he, he, he can get his drinks. <laughs> towel, towel yeah. so we can take <laughs> <Hey>, could you- <laughs> Arrow Caddy, whatever. <laughs>
1: The, the the great part about this is is that dylan doesn't have a mic so we can sit here and talk about him.
0: we can everybody. bust on his chops with yeah, no we can bust on his
1: chops the whole time we're sitting here but he's got a set of yeah he took his headphones off and put his put his fingers in his ears so, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's great yeah so i do that you know a couple two three four times a year i'll travel when people can put a dozen people or together together you know and i'll travel out there and and uh, host a you know do a clinic you know I, I want to do some at my shop too give people a chance to come to Colorado and see the mountains and you know do other things besides just that day or two of archery um, yeah. something I want to do this summer
1: we're super excited about it I and mean, Dylan kind of touched base on it when we spoke um well was it earlier this week even I think that that we talked um, it's all kind of been a blurry a blur to me but but the more that we kind of talked about it um, even before we got on here. I'm, I'm super excited. And then now to listen, you know, to, you, you explain the process. It's just, I'm, I'm now I'm really getting more, even more excited than I was before. And I was really stoked to start with. So I think that's.
0: What you'll find is, uh, you know, I, there's nothing about shooting compound. I didn't find fun, but. After a while, you get pretty good, you know, and you're kind of expectable as I every time. And then, so you you're kind of neutral, right? You hit the middle and yeah, I hit the middle. And then when you miss a little bit, you're kind of aggravated. Well, yeah. when you shoot a trap bow, your expectations aren't like that. You know, so if you miss a little, like, okay, I'll work on my shot a little here. You're kind of neutral. But when you hit the middle, ooh, that feels good because it was all you, man. It -hmm. was all you. So compound's kind of neutral or aggravated. A recurve is kind of like neutral or that feels good. That's the way I'd I'd explain it.
1: I think that's exciting. That even adds to it because for me, with a compound, what I found I did was because I didn't get that feel. I didn't get that, you know, that ooh, that feels good. I just didn't shoot as much. And so then I got to where like, I still shoot this, the I've had a compound bow and I didn't realize this until recently Dylan and I were talking about it. and I'm shooting a, um, Matthew switchback and I've had that thing for 17 years and I've had other bows. Yeah. But I go back to that one because I can grab that, that bow and still, at, you know, 30 to 40 yards. I can put, you know, five or six arrows all in the kill zone pretty much yep. without any kind of practice, so to say, I mean, I could go a month without <clears throat> shooting and go do that. And I think the reason was is because I just didn't get that, that excitement, that, that, that warm, fuzzy feeling, um, where I already know for, and I've got a archery range in my backyard. Um, so I know for a fact that I'm going to have to shoot a lot more with this. And yeah. I think that that's, you know, that's, exciting for me because as much as i mean i'm i'm all archery you know love my compound bow and all that but and and hunting you know uh until we started the podcast it never even crossed my mind that do any other type of of hunting than archery um but now that we've got this going and we need content then i'm like all right well i put in for a few draws for you know for for rifle but i definitely want to do the archery side of it um but now with this, this traditional, it's a whole nother, I'm going to have to have some more hours in the day. I think or it's I'm a whole
0: mad. nother thrill. You know, it's, it's a discussion. We have a uh, guy want to be a bow hunter. He'll come in and to get set up and he's, you know, he like, takes a step in the shop, doesn't even know what questions to ask, but he knows he wants to bow hunt, <clears throat> you know? And okay. What kind of bow does he want? Does he want a traditional bow or a compound bow? And he's not sure. And so one of the first questions that I'm going to ask is like, um, uh, how much time do you have to practice? You know, if you've got five kids and a really demanding job, you're just not going to have a lot of time on your hands to put into an arrow count to get good with with a traditional bow. You know, we've got five or six months before season and, you know, we might want to go over that compound side because you can get pretty salty in a month, even Mm -hmm. a couple weeks for, you know, if you're really paying attention to what you're doing, you get some really good instruction at first, you can get pretty salty with that thing pretty quickly uh, that traditional bow, if you can shoot once a week or two, yeah, it's probably not the choice. Now, doesn't shouldn't keep you from having one or shooting one. It just might make a difference in your choice of what you hunt with. You know, it, you, you have to build somewhat of an effective range. And you have to build an effective range that you can produce when you're all jazzed out and nervous. Right? And there's two different things there. Right? So, you know, that's kind of a part of the discussion. Um, I think that, you know, once you kind of love archery, you kind of immerse yourself in the whole shooting match. I always have a compound bow and I make sure I'm really good with it. And, you know, I want, as a coach, I want credibility. I need to put them all in the bullseye. If I'm coaching somebody, they want to see a shot, you know, I'd be able (laughs) to shoot well or else (laughs) that guy's going to blow me off. You know, what's, what do I got to say to him? You know what I mean? So, you know, and, and I enjoy it. I enjoy the compound. I just enjoy the recurve and the longbow more So, and and I can shoot well enough to hunt with them. So that's what I choose. Uh, I'm going to do a commercial someday. You remember the old Quigley Down Under when he gets into the the gunfight at the end yeah? and he does the quick draw and he shoots the the bad guy and the bad guy, you know, because he used the rifleman, right? And he said, I didn't know you could do that. I knew you could shoot with a pistol and Quigley said something to the effect of, I never said I couldn't shoot a handgun. I said I could, didn't prefer it. I right. want to do a commercial where I like have the camera rolling for five shots in a row right in the middle, you know, because I'm known as a recurve coach, right? Yeah. And then just say, you know, the whole Quigley line. You know, I didn't, didn't say handgun, I yeah. couldn't shoot a compound. I just said I didn't prefer it. Prefer
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, as you were explaining that, one of the things that that came to mind it was it was uh, really cool because when we have people come in, so, so the, uh, let me back up just a little bit, the name of the, sh- of our shops, powder and string outfitters. And, yeah. um, I'd like to take responsibility for that, but my uh, son-in-law Blake came up with it. And when he did, my wife and I looked at each other and i are like, well, where'd you hear that from? Is there something? And, and he's like, no, I just gunpowder and bowstring. And so it just was like, all right, well, there it is. It's I like it. outfitters. So, <clears throat> but we started as, um, we started as as crazy as it is for most people that hear this it's it's easier to become a ffl gun shop than it is to get started in becoming a bow shop
0: big Uh, time
1: you, you know that but for the common person and i would even say even for me you know without any knowledge five years ago say or or seven years ago because i actually started looking at starting an archery shop and pulled the reins back because I knew I didn't have enough time and resources, um, especially time to, to make a, make it a, a successful one. So then all of a sudden I started the gun shop. So we are in the process now of adding the string side of it. And the gun shop has grown so fast that um, it's taken over this entire building. And so luckily I owned the, the building next to it. So we're going to expand into there. But when you were talking about <clears throat> the, traditional and the guy coming in for the compound and what, you know, five or six months away. I have that exact same conversation with the customer that walks in. That's, um, that's getting a handgun for the first time or looking for that self-defense gun for the first time. And because they've watched the movies and because they've, you know, all the stuff that they've seen in the old cowboy movies with the revolvers, they automatically come in and they want the semi-auto gun. And rightfully so they have you know very limited very limited knowledge and they're asking questions which is smart so they ask the questions yeah. and so my first question that i ask them is is are you going to shoot 500 rounds in a year and most of the time the answer is no and i said well if you're in if you're not going to shoot 500 rounds in a year then i would recommend you look at potentially a revolver well then their immediate response is why would i go with a revolver that's the old cowboy gun it's outdated and it's only got six shots or five shots or whatever you know revolver that, that we're talking speaking of I said, yeah, but it's extremely simple and you pull the trigger and it goes bang. And if it's a double action and it goes bang, and then if you don't hit that target in five or six shots, then you can throw it at them because that's all that <laughs> that, that semi-automatic gun is worth. If you have a limp wrist and it jams and stovepipes, and you've only got one or two shots, now you've got you know 12 shots or eight shots or seven shots left in the magazine, but it's of no use to you if you don't know how to clear it, read chamber one, put one back in, and do all of that in an extremely fast pace under extremely you know stressful
0: stressful you know
1: conditions so it's interesting to hear you say that and and the analogy that you explained was very much similar to one that we use in the shop here with regards to people that are coming in looking for that personal defense weapon or the gun is is that if you're not going to put the time and the effort into it this semi-automatic weapon may not be the best one for you because if it jams on the first round, which it can do that. And, and especially if you don't shoot a lot because you don't have the right form, limp wrist, and then all of a sudden it jams. Then you're
0: Yeah. You haven't done the clearing drills and all the yeah. skill sets to yeah. get that thing operational again. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So it's very similar in what you just said in, in that. And, in, and, uh,
0: I've got does that have to do with uh, the caliber two and recoil management and stuff like yeah, that too? Yeah, I would can. imagine.
1: So um, one of my daughters, who's probably the best shot in you know in the family, so to say, with a handgun, um, she does on a on a more regular basis, if you will. She has an issue with the gun jamming, and it's it's a limp wrist. I've worked with her, and you know it's just, but but the the the, the gun is designed to have somewhat of a of a solid
0: um, yeah so the slide oh, can come so back. that way
1: the slide can come back with the explosion or the the you know the, the round going off and it has to obviously function and, and eject that old round and put the new one in and if you don't have enough you know solid you know to it but then if you're too solid you know so it's kind of that back and forth but
0: yeah I just learned something from you <laughs>
1: yeah well <laughs> amen
0: I, I'm, yeah, I'm ready cool. to learn a lot from you
1: uh, obviously I'm, I'm super excited but um, that's that's it's 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 very interesting to me how much there's so there's correlation and and, and commonalities to just so many different things, but then yet in in your own explanation that you can be an af- absolute you know a, a world class athlete and yet still struggle with with the archery world and yeah, yeah, you know, it's,
0: it's very you know, when I do a compound lesson, that whole first lesson is about a trigger press. You can be pretty, shoot pretty well, pretty accurate, even if your body positions aren't really dialed in, if you've got a great trigger press. Think of, relate this to your firearms. If you've got a great trigger later. press.
1: I was waiting for that, because that's how I was I was waiting, go ahead.
0: You're going to shoot pretty well, right? And then once we get a trigger press and give that person the ability to do the hardest part, which is separate off the aim, trust the aim, and just run a trigger, run that release aid, then we get confidence and now we start building better body positions and we start managing the float, the pin float, or the stability of the bow. You know, with a handgun, you may not have a perfect stance or body position, if you run a trigger well, you can do pretty well, but then when you run a good stance and you really stabilize that platform you're shooting from, that's where the high accuracy starts improving or your effective range starts improving right so we, yeah you with a recurve we're going to we're going to build the platform first because we're under so much compressive load to run a trigger on a bow is much more difficult to stay in a conscious movement than with a firearm because we're under compressive long recurve or longbow either one so that jumpiness and that that desire to punch the trigger is higher on a bow than a firearm I don't know if you've seen that, or if you can think back, rerun it a little bit in your own mind. As a guy that does both, shoots a compound, and the shock is more internal. Sudden loss in tension is like explosive loss in tension is more impactful to your body than recoil is. Hmm. Okay, the guy named Joel Turner shot IQ pointed that out to me. I want to give credit where it's due. And it, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. because I find it much easier to run a trigger on a firearm. You know, you'd have to like get control, get your willpower up if you're punching out a little bit. And then, yeah, I can get it under control much faster than if I get punchy with a, with a bow. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So it's all about the trigger press either way, right? This is a little right. tip out there. If you're going to do nothing else, get some instruction, how to run the trigger or your re- release aid properly to put your last movement of shooting that bow in is a movement that's so slow, you can manage it. You can manage it. You can stop it. You can change the pace of it and you can make that bow go off as a surprise. Just something else to throw in to the firearms related to the archery world. A little yeah. tie in for you there.
1: Yeah. There's it's yeah. There's a lot of what I'm, I'm unpacking a lot of what you said. Um, that's, it's, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. I'm super.
0: I'm kind of relating to you. You're a firearms instructor. I'm an archery instructor. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not a firearms instructor. I just own a shop. I'm I'm like.
0: But a, you you have high knowledge more than your average customer, and you yeah. and you share that knowledge with your customers. I stayed
1: in a Holiday Inn Express last night. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we, you know, it's it's all as as you well know in the archery world, um, the gun world much the same. You know, I I would say I'm I. I shoot more well before I started the shop that's another thing that you know once I started the shop it's kind of consumed my time but now here we are starting to get where it's where it's, it's getting where I'm gonna have a little bit more time but I used to shoot a lot more than I do now but I would say I shoot more than you know 90% of the population of the shooters that are out there but then when you get into that and you start seeing people that are at a different level you're just like man that's a different level and uh, yeah, we, yeah. We support we we have a team, a Glock shooting sports team, we have a guy that's on there and he's just lights out. I mean it's just crazy. But one of the things that he talks about, um, and in the firearm world we talk about it as well, is is muscle memory trigger, you know, pull and dry firing. You know, when I was a kid, you know, my grandpa and my dad don't have a dry fire gun. Well, that's not you know, today that's actually any new gun you can you can dry fire it. But he talks about Andrew talks about he's he has shot his light switch in his room, a million times, and he literally will sit at home every night. He dry fires, a hundred rounds at least. I think's what he said. A hundred rounds every night at his light switch, and yep. it's just draw, up, shoot, pull back, you know, and then go through it. And I, if you ever, I don't know if you ever heard the name Jerry Mitchellak, but he's a he's a god in the in the shooting world. He owns several world records and uh, can shoot a revolver like, and I think he did. Eight shots on target, and then a reload in like three seconds with a revolver. It's just crazy. holy mackerel. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think
0: I've seen films of him. Yeah,
1: yeah, you should look him up. He's uh,
0: incredible talent. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's from Georgia or, or Mississippi or somewhere down in there. He's originally from Louisiana, but anyway, and and then his daughter Lena, she's she's huge as well. But um, he does the same thing every night. He's he, he's the I've heard I've watched videos other than and heard him say that he's he practices shooting firearm drawing all you know something every single night he's like for for 50 years every night he practices it so wow i mean that's dedication determination and then from that you know there's the rest is history so to say
0: there's a reason those guys are better than us yeah we do the same kind of thing with a stretch band so you think of a you know a stretch band made into a loop Mm -hmm. when you pull it back it increases weight as you go And we literally run through a shot, you know, from the point where your fingers are on the string and you lift it up and then you come into holding and then transfer to hold and you set. And then we run a release through that stretch band. Very similar to what you're talking about. When I went to the Olympic Training Center, I had 50 hours of classroom. We were doing a lot there, right? And I thought, oh, God, I get to go to the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista, California, get my hands on all this great equipment. We shot a stretch band for a week. And I gotta tell you, I never had such an accurate, pure, perfect shot as when I came back home and grabbed my bows after drilling all those archery movements with a stretch band, same as dry fire shooting. That's as close as we can get with a bow.
1: So out of curiosity, do you sell something like that, a training apparatus like that out of your shop?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. At rmsgear.com, Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. Or R-M-S-G-E-A-R, rmsgear.com. Yeah,
1: yeah, very interesting. Well, I'm I'm super excited about um, getting my traditional bow, and uh, obviously, Dylan's. I'm gonna I'm gonna be burning his phone up and and twisting his arm to get over to my house. Luckily, we just live. Um, we, we, we like like our backyards basically back up each other, but there's a creek that runs through it in the school between us, but. Uh, nice. I've, I've kind of joked around with him, haha. That when I'm first learning and stuff like that, um, that I might fling some over into his his yard.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> well, get ready for some fun and in, in possibly a new addiction. This, you know, uh, watching your, There's something about it, man. I'm telling you. Most people, uh, especially once you get the ability to start hitting the middle a little bit, it, it's it's really fun, and your ammunition is a heck of a lot less expensive yeah that's you can reuse it yeah exactly
1: (laughs) yeah and and i definitely want to you know when we get off here we'll try and get some we'll 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 stay in touch and try and get a date planned for
0: you know oh heck yeah
1: and we'll put a we'll put a two-day seminar on and 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 uh have you come in and you You bet
0: uh, love it
1: we'll bring in you know eight or ten or twelve people and yeah we can't can't put together and have you come out and, and uh i'm just i'm super excited about it but um more so than anything i just want to tell you thank you so much for coming on here and 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 spending your time with us here and
0: anytime an hour
1: went by and and uh i learned an enormous amount um i'm gonna definitely i'm definitely going to keep playing a lot of what we talked about or you talked about down here um through my mind as as i start learning the the bow and i'm excited i really am so
0: well, ask Dylan. I'll geek out about this stuff anytime with anybody, and there's a lot more.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure we're just scratching the surface with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. hey, I greatly appreciate it, Tom. Thank you so much. And for our um, listeners out there, um, Tom, you want to give them your website again? And any are, are you on any social medias or anything like
0: that? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram. Um, we have two accounts. So my name is Tom Clum, T-O-M underscore C-L-U-M. Uh, that's my Instagram at Tom underscore Clum, and I think it's mm-hmm. underscore SR for Senior. I have a son named Tom, so we kind of call me Senior. So it's Tom underscore Clum underscore Senior. But on Instagram, we have a an account. It's an RMS Gear account on Instagram. Also, I do put a lot of sh- shooting tips and just hunting stuff and on on the Instagram and and uh, and then our, we have uh, the name of our business, Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. So we have a website, uh, and it, that is RMS for Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear, rmsgear.com. Pretty easy to, if anybody has questions or struggling with a bow, you can call me at the shop. I help people all over the country all the time. Something I really enjoy doing. We're talking about the satisfaction and we talked about the friendships, but being able to share some knowledge, all this knowledge I've been able to gather over the years and then see it put to use in see people enjoy it or take an animal and send me pictures. That's, that's the other big blessing to what I do is getting to share this great knowledge that I've been fortunate enough to accumulate over this time and sharing it with others. That's, that's what gives me a great deal of satisfaction in life. So.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, you're exactly right. And that's, you know, in the shop we, we get, we get pictures back or, you know, anything that has to do with, with somebody enjoying something that they, you know, it's huge from you. It's just, that's the, that's the route. So rewarding. Uh, for yeah.
0: About it, but. Our whole staff is just lifelong bow hunters and that. So anybody you talk to there, if you got a, you know, a question about arrow tuning or, you know, broadhead broadhead design, it doesn't matter. they related. You're going to find somebody at my store that will give you a, a pretty well uh, informed answer. And if we don't know, we'll just tell you, uh, we don't try to BS anybody either.
1: That's, that's, key too. And that's when we hire somebody on here and just tell them like, here's one thing I can tell you is, is that you're going to find out that there's somebody out there that knows more than you do. And when you yeah, buddy. know something, then just tell them right up. Hey, man, I don't know the answer to that.
0: And I want to know those people cause I want to keep learning. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And that's, you know, when we get stuff, you know, in the shop or something, that's the, another thing that's really cool is that we always have something walk through the door. Uh, not every day but almost every day that you're just like man I haven't seen that before or I've I've read about that or I've you know you know heard about one of those or whatever
0: then you get an opportunity to learn it's yeah, great exactly. right we
1: just we just had a gun collection come in and it was only five guns but I would say it was the most um well rounded and just all five guns that were in this collection that they're these this individual is going to sell um were just kind of like pristine unique and yeah unique pristine uh, uh uncommon i mean each right. one individually would have just been like holy cow that's crazy but when they started pulling out i was like what in the world
0: <laughs> kid in the candy store you- right
1: yeah do you know what you yeah. have and and so that just happened the other day and i was like this is the most we get gun collections and stuff like that in and but this one in particular was was five really good guns and it was just really cool to see that. And it's just you just pinch yourself when you see something like that because it's just it's, you know, sometimes it's the stuff you you would never see. So Yeah. Um it's I get that's, it. that's that's seeing that kind of stuff and seeing people come in and get something or acquire something from you and then go out and have success and, and fun and making making an experience, making a life, you know a a, a, a lifelong memory out of it is what is the most you bet. rewarding and, and ba- charges your batteries but anyway well hey man thanks for coming on here for all the listeners out there we greatly appreciate you tuning in to the powder and string outfitters podcast if you would please go out to all of our social media pages if you haven't done so already and like and share and comment and uh on youtube if you subscribe and download we greatly appreciate it and tom i look forward to it i'm sure we're going to talk again soon in the future and um i hope that you have a great rest of your uh evening and Thanks again. God bless for coming on here.
0: Thank you, buddy. Uh, I'll take one more thing. If you want to get a, a peek into the traditional archery lifestyle, a film made a film and kind of featured our family and some other folks. It's a 15 minute film on YouTube called the intimate weapon. Okay. Just, just uh, search on YouTube, the intimate weapon. I'd like you to do that too. And will give you a little snapshot into the lifestyle of traditional archery. It's really the guy made a really cool film. He kind of followed us around for a while and some other folks, a Boyer and a, a taxidermist and, and and kind of showed uh, what that lifestyle is a little bit about for the uninitiated. I think you'll enjoy it too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to yeah. look it up and I'll watch it this evening, I'm sure.
0: Awesome, buddy. Uh,
1: well, hey, man, Tom, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. and For all the listeners out there, until next time, thanks for tuning in to the Powder and String Podcast. You're your hometown shop.